This is Test and Code, episode 76. Test-driven development, or TDD, can be intimidating to try. Why is that? And how can we make it less scary? Well, that's what this episode is about. Chris May is a Python developer and the co-founder of PyRVA, the Richmond, Virginia Python group. In this episode, Chris shares his experience with adding tests and TDD to his workflow. I really enjoyed talking with Chris, and I think his story will help lots of people overcome testing anxiety. Thank you, Chris, and also thank you to PyCharm for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Test and Code, a podcast about software development, software testing, and Python. Welcome to Test and Code. Today on the show, I am excited to have Chris May. We've never talked before other than like starting a few minutes ago. So Chris, can you tell everybody who you are? Sure, yeah. Um, let's see. I I feel like it, I'm in a weird place because like I have uh, like, but best way to describe who what I do is like a problem solver because um, I've started off in graphic design and went on to full stack development and learned Python about, started learning Python about 10 years ago. And so now I kind of, do some full stack development at my current job and use create Python to create tools, do some um, research and analytics. And I'm also trying to help a couple departments to transition over to Python too. So I've got a lot of hats I wear these days. Nice. Yeah. Do you play a individual contributor role or are you a manager or? I'm a contributor. Yeah. Okay. Just in fact, my title is full stack engineer, but it's amazing how much that can overflow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the the full and full stack. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. It's cool. one heck of a stack. Yeah. <laughs> um, but things you started from graphic design. I did. That's yeah. kind of neat. Um, <laughs> so how did you transition from graphic design into full stack stuff? Uh, essentially, it started. So let me take a, uh, a little step back in in college. Um, I actually started off as a computer scientist, um, and, um, uh, and I was, my, I remember my freshman year, like there was a bunch of us, uh, CS majors on my hall and we all started building websites and people came to me and were like, Chris, your website looks better than all of ours. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, you know, thanks. And, uh, and at, you know, at the time I also had a copy of Photoshop that I bought like at a, like a crazy like whatever place and um essentially started messing around with photoshop and doing all sorts of different things and people one guy kept from the hall kept coming into my room and was like chris i think you're in the wrong major I'm like what are you talking about and he's like you it looks like you might enjoy graphic design a little bit more and i'm like what is this i've never heard of this and he's like oh it's it's in the art program and i'm like well <laughs> i'm no artist <laughs> i'm i'm a computer person you see you know because like i've grown up like making, you know, I, I learned uh, basic when I was in like first grade. I mean, it's like I, I've been, I was born with a keyboard in my hand practically. And um, but, you know, like what he said, like kind of stuck in my head. And um, and long story short, I ended up going down to the the art department uh, and talked to the, the, the head of the graphic design department um, who invited me to one of the senior level classes to see if it was anything I was interested in. And I walked in and I'm like, holy crap, these people are doing what I do in my free time and they're getting a degree. 
And uh, then I walked behind them and I'm like, holy crap, I'm, I, I can actually give them pointers on making this better. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this, I am in the wrong major and um, just loved it. Like actually my, my QCA skyrocketed. Like I was having a really hard time in the computer science department on, you know, the way that they were teaching me just didn't sync up with how I learned. Okay. And, uh, and so essentially graduated with a graphic design degree which is this is much longer talk than intended to go. But essentially at one, one of my um, jobs, I started off as a graphic designer, but I, I kept you know, I have this history of web development, especially front end web development. And at the time it was web development. Nobody knew like front end. I mean, you knew front end back then, but there wasn't necessarily a full stack development. And um, there was a, a big trunking company that I worked for and they needed a redesign for their website and bought a, asked a company to, to, to design it, but they didn't have anybody to implement it. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do this. And, you know, took their design, created the website for the, for the company. And while doing that, I actually learned JavaScript, which uh, I had been avoiding for a long time because I thought like the whole Java, like there was a time where there was Java in the browser and it was like horrible. Yeah. Uh, so I avoided it just because it had Java in the name and then um, learned that JavaScript is much less intimidating than Java and fell in love with it initially. Um, and just started enjoying you know, making the websites. And at some point I was like, I want to get more into the server side. And at the time, Ruby on Rails was like the big thing. And so I started learning that. And a good friend of mine was like, you know, before you get too deep into Ruby, maybe you should look at this Python thing. I think you'll enjoy it a lot more. And boy, am I glad he did. Because <laughs> uh, since then, I, I started learning some web development frameworks in Python and then started building tools and just fell in love with the language more so than JavaScript by far. And uh, in fact, so much so, like I'm just amazed at what you can do with Python that I started a local, a local user group um, here in Richmond and uh, just to try to help other people find Python and like, you know, enrich their lives. So uh, it's just been a long fun journey for me. <laughs> I love hearing stories like that. And I love, love hearing people doing what they, they really should be doing. And so you, you really got into graphic design through computers. Uh, yeah. Which is cool. Well, one of the things we wanted to talk about today uh, is your experience with software testing and with test driven development. Yeah. And you've got a lot of ideas about this, man. And thanks to you. Like I really, your book has really, um, really fueled my passion for this, which is because of, it's one of those things where like, I've been around a lot, like, uh, in, in my several last few roles I've been a part of, there's been a lot of testing around me, but my role has never really been one that's tested the software we've written. Um, mostly because I was like on the front end, um, of websites for a long time, but like, so heard a lot of things and then read your book and was like, oh, okay, well, let, let's get PyTest in here and figure out how to use it. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, reading your book, like, answered a ton of questions. And then, yeah, it's been really cool to, like, like actually, like, I feel like part, you can, like, listen to podcasts, you can read books. But really, the thing that really, like, unlocks it for me is, like, sitting down and actually forcing myself to do it, you know, Um and and yeah, in doing that, I'm just like, okay, this is this is great stuff. Everybody's tried. <laughs> is a lot of the testing you're doing um, uh, using something like Selenium or something to test uh, through the through the actual front door, or are you going through an API? Yeah, so far I've not used Selenium uh, at least at this or within the last like five or seven years. Um, most of what I'm doing is actually like as I'm as my you know teammates and I are are building the code that actually you know, creates the website, we're running tests to say like, you know, 
like the way I think about it is I have this problem I want to solve. Like we, we want to create a report. And so let's create a test that says, all right, what, what do we, what are we going to create that's going to run this report? And so, you know, we'll create that and then we'll run a test to make sure it's there. Actually, usually I'll assert false first to make sure like, okay, I have a test, it's running, it's, it's failing. Um, but at least there's something there that it's talking to. And over time, we just keep writing tests to say like, okay, uh, what, what do we need to give this function to like write a report? And then we'll give it a thing. And, and it's like kind of like an iterative process to like um, build up over time a, a suite of tests that's, you know, test this, you know, uh, this, this, this code that generates the report and uh, help us to like figure out what do we need right now kind of a thing. Oh, nice. So you're, you're using it um, uh, in a, in a very test driven development mindset, even of uh, building up the API of whatever you're, you're testing while you're testing it. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that I was, it's like, I'm still even trying to get better at because it's like, but that's, I feel like that's how I've learned that like, okay, my code is an API, you know, like, kind of like you're saying, like you know, in my head, especially come from the front end um, development, I think an API is a, you know, JSON or a uh, Ajax call to some remote thing. But the more I'm like doing test driven, it's like, okay, like my code is an API. What am I using the, you know, call this report function. I love that you're excited about it. I was going to say, it's really funny because like for me, um, we just made this, uh, uh, we had a very short time frame to create a, um, a, a, a essentially a website that would allow uh, one of our partners to like send this data and we would, you know, generate reports and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, I think we had like just under a month to get this thing live. Like we, we, the kind of, we, we were essentially called in like a last minute to be like, all right, firefighters, like, and I was like, okay, we have got to do test driven development or else we won't know, you know, we have to run so fast. We have to create this so fast that without tests to prove to us that what we're building is what we expect and, and actually, you know, delivering what we want, we're just going to be constantly like, where the heck are we? What do we need to do? Can we even trust what we've done? You know? And uh, that was hugely critical for, for us. Nice. Good success yeah. story. Yeah, it's nice to have one every now and then. <laughs> um, so, do you have any any uh, people around you that are reluctant to jump on the writing tests uh, bandwagon? Yeah, I, I some of the other members of my team, in particular, um, don't like the, one of the guys was actually telling me today. Like he he understands it, I guess conceptually, but hasn't like bought in yet, and he kind of wants to like sit down with me and like like kind of help him understand uh why we want to do it and like how to do it you know like like he was saying like talking to me was exciting to him because he's like okay like i, I can tell you're excited about it and i can tell like this is a good thing but when you know when i talk to him i've you know i have all this stuff that i've been thinking about for you know 10 years and i i'm trying to explain to him but like of course i don't know what he knows what doesn't know what he doesn't know and I miss skip out, skip over all the stuff that he needs to know. You know, he just kind of watches me do things. I try to explain it and he, you know, there's all the stuff he doesn't know. So, um, what I'm hoping is like over, you know, over the next few weeks, I'm going to talk to him, but I also have been writing, um, an article and, uh, a book actually about that includes test driven development. I have a, a, an article on my blog that, um, kind of goes into some of this about, uh, like at least some of the, the, the steps that, uh, I took to like, um, 
yeah, to get myself into the test driven development and and some of the the success stories and the the failures that we had uh, on my on my team. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, I know exactly what you mean by the you're trying to talk to somebody, but you've got I'm that that way a lot. I'm trying to t- tell somebody about testing, but I assume obviously incorrectly that they've read all of the same articles I have for the last ten years. And on top of that, you have all the people who are like, you know, we need 100% coverage. We need to write a test about every single thing you write. And it's like, uh, that's a little, that's a big mountain to climb, you know, and intimidating. I mean, that's actually part of the reason why, I, like, uh, I don't remember how many years ago I, I decided every kind of personal project I'm going to work, write, I'm going to do test-driven development. And it failed because I was just so intimidated with, well, how do I do it? And like, you know. I don't know exactly what I'm writing yet. So how do I write the test for it? And it was just so much fear that was instilled in me just because I've heard of all these rules. And once I kind of learned, you know, just let the, you know, let's, let's just try this and let the rules kind of go off to the side and like explore on your own. Then I started like getting some traction. Well, and I like how, how you described, um, what you're using it for. It's, uh, it's to build, to maintain confidence in your system. Yeah, And so you're writing tests to make sure that you're doing what you think you're doing and to make sure that you're confident that you're not going to break it. And then you can, you can run faster. Um, yeah. So that's actually one of the things that I'm frustrated with. Uh, a lot of the teaching of test driven development is they, they do these toy examples that are really small. And then you think as you extrapolating, well, that's like, just like you just, this whole book described like what five minutes of my work day. <laughs> yeah. um, so if I, if I blow up five minutes of my work day into like four hours of this iterative process, I'm not going to get anything done. Totally. Um, but I think the intent was, we're just showing a toy example. You can run as fast as you can until you start tripping. And when you start tripping, slow down and do smaller, smaller level tests. Thank you. PyCharm for support. Sponsoring this episode, PyCharm has a special offer for Test and Code listeners. Now through June 10, you can try PyCharm Pro for free for four months by going to testandcode.com/pycharm. What's that you say? You're already using the Community Edition, so why should you bother with the Pro version? Well, I'm glad you asked. PyCharm Pro includes extra support for development with SQL Alchemy and Cython, with Django Flask and Pyramid Web Frameworks with Jinja 2 and Mako templates, and it even gives you professional class tools for code profiling and code coverage beautifully integrated, I might add, and even duplicate code detection, and so much more. Now, maybe today you don't need this much power, but maybe tomorrow or next week you will. So please don't wait. Grab a copy of Pro and at least play with the integrated code coverage today by going to testandcode.com slash piechart. You talked about your article. Yes. Okay. So the article is called Don't Be Afraid of Test-Driven Development. And I really like it. Um, Well, thank you. There's a lot of stuff I want to cover here at the beginning. Your introduction to it is I took much longer than I should have to get started with testing my code. Um, You were intimidated by the rules. You felt you had to follow uh, rules that you had to get past in order to let yourself explore, try, fail, and then succeed. Yeah, sure. Can you tell me more about that? What stopped you? Yeah. You know, I, I feel like, I don't know if this is like a personality trait for me or what, but like, 
I feel like there, especially like with all the, you know, the, the discussion around test-driven development, I just felt like there's like a specific way you're supposed to do it. You know, it just seemed like so many people like in explaining it or something, it just seemed like there was something I was missing or something like there was a prescribed method you're sh- you should do it, but nobody ever actually like, I guess, writes out what that prescription is. And so every time I would start, I was like, am I doing this the right way? I don't think so. I, I bet I'm messing this up. And, you know, as a result, I would, you know, I, I would especially try at night on my own um, since most of the teams I worked with, like if I was a part of the team that did do testing um, at the time I was in front end development and they didn't really care if we did any testing um, for the front end, which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, so I'd be at home all by myself, like trying to build something and especially at that time too, I was you know, only, I was probably in Python, maybe only like a couple of years. And, and, you know, that was definitely wasn't full-time development. That was just kind of me exploring on my own. So I just kind of felt like I was already intimidated with like trying to figure out virtual environments and then like, Oh, I'm trying a new framework. You know what? I guess I don't even know. I guess it was Django at the time, but that was trying out or maybe web to pie. And I was just like, you know, there's just so many levels of things that I had to try to figure out that like test driven development on top of that, I just felt like, uh, destined to failure, you know, or at least to, that I wasn't doing it right. One thing that really started clicking for me was like, I think I mentioned in the, the article about like how, like for me, the big thing was to actually let a test fail. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny, like looking back on it, but like I wanted so hard to not let tests fail, like to type it out and have it work perfectly the first time. Oh yeah. Right. And so once I, and then especially like if I were to have a test running and working and then it failed because I was working on it, I was just like, oh crap, I did something wrong. I got to fix it now. And when I started getting into the habit of actually letting a test fail first, and especially like kind of, I think I mentioned an article, like sometimes I have no idea what I really want to write. Like I kind of a vague sense of what the code needs to do and I'll start writing out the test case and I'll think, well, wait. You know, like I know, like for instance, I need, I know I need to write a report, but, well, that's the output. Like, what do I actually need to write? What, what, what do I want to exist in order to get a report from it? And what do I want to pass into it? And what, you know, what happens if it doesn't work right? And, and these are all questions that don't really start coming up until I write like a assert false. And then like once the test runs and it fails, I have the, my, my brain kind of has a moment to say like, Oh wait, okay, that's already done. That's not a big deal. Things have failed and everything's okay. And now I can actually stop and think, wait, what would be nice if it was there, you know? And yeah, I think uh one of the things that in test driven development tutorials they often say to write a write a test that fails first, partly just to um to make sure that your test is getting run. Well, yeah. we're not really that concerned about that cuz we're pretty sure unless we misspell you know, test underscore, um, it's going to probably get run. But there is some reality to that. There's been times where I've like messed up, especially on other frameworks where you have to derive from a particular class. And if you, if you get the spelling wrong or something, it it won't get run. Um, Or if like, I don't know, I use my skip statement wrong or something in a test, it's getting skipped and I think it's not. So there's some reality, but I really, I've never heard before. And that's one of the reasons why I really love your article. Oh, this, thanks. the notion that just to get past the blank page, uh, block. Yeah. So just writing a test down and just go ahead and write assert false. If you don't know what else to write, write that. 
and then run it. And then, then you've got all of the framework out of the way. You've got the framework working. And, and then I also, you, you go on to an example, your example of the report in the article. Um, it's just calling, you're just calling the library with the report function with no parameters and it isn't there yet, or, you know, you know, it's going to fail, but it's a place to start. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a really neat way to, to, uh, as an example, it isn't, you're, you're not trying to go through and teach people all the nitty gritty little details, but just how to, yeah. how to get over the blank page. And yeah. Good, good, good point. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then the other, one of the th- other things I like the blank page was cool. And then also there's a great quote. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read it because it, you, I almost highlighted the entire article as great quotes, <laughs> but uh, uh, iterate a lot. So you say iterate, iterate, iterate. Whenever you develop code or write tests, chances are that the first thing you're going to write is going to get edited or completely replaced. So try to not let yourself be intimidated by the stress of doing it correctly uh, or not knowing what to test. I like that. Write down what you know now, uh, update it later. So this is a mindset of like a first draft thing, knowing that both your tests and your code are going to get rewritten anyway, uh, probably, or heavily modified beyond recognition. So just go ahead and get it down. Um, this is great. I love this oh, tutorial. And you and, and and you saying that reminds me of like another thing that really got to me was like, I had a rule in my head that I had to write a test for every function that I wrote. And... Once I kind of let go of that and let myself like write one test that could cover, you know, like multiple functions or classes or whatever, you know, for me, it was like, especially I think like that, that report one was a good one because, you know, I didn't, I have some tests that do test to make sure things can get pulled from the database or whatever. But for this report, what was important is this report got made and whether it, you know, hit all these other things or not, it didn't matter in this case. Um, and that, in fact, like, like you're saying, like I knew I gave myself permission to write, uh, the test knowing that it was going to be improved later. And in fact, like, it's amazing like how many tests were, you know, completely rewritten. And I think that one thing that was great about that compared to what I was thinking before was that was intimidating for me to think that I had to write a test for every function, knowing that functions change and that meant I would have to change both the function and the test. In which sometimes that's a great thing, but you don't have to do that every single time. And that just gave me such a sense of like, uh, it reduced the weight on my shoulders, I guess I should say, because, you know, now I have one test that like tests like a business case, I guess you could say that this report gets generated and we could change like how it happens and still the, the test will pass as long as the report gets generated the way we expect it to. Right. If, if this, this report function uh, goes off and calls a bunch of helper functions, if those if those helper functions don't work, the final test is not going to work. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But there, there's, and then there's some cases, of course, where like some helper function, you you've isolated some piece of logic into one function that is complicated enough that you're kind of not sure that you can get it right. So that's a you know that would be a good place to go ahead and and direct some attention and some test cases through it uh, on itself, but. Like like you said, some of the, some of the helper stuff that you're just I don't know translating units or something silly like that. Um, you know it's it's visually so simple, it's probably fine. Plus it's covered by the the parent test anyway. So exactly anyway yeah. 
Um, so do you have uh, do you have any do you have any rules that you think of when you're writing tests now? Um, well, the, I feel like the first rule is always to start with the test, and that one's one that I don't always pass myself. Or a rule that I always, uh, you know, it's like there are, there are times where you know, I get into work here and I'm like, okay, well, I need to do this thing, and I'll jump in and start doing it. And then, you know, after like an hour or so, I'm like, I haven't written any tests. What am I doing? <laughs> but okay. Uh, um, but you're doing that not to satisfy some outside group or something. You're doing it because you know that you're going to appreciate it later. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Especially like, you know, like there have been a few times where, you know, like uh, working with other people, sometimes you realize like the code I have found it. Uh, the other, that's one thing I've really enjoyed discovering with these tests is to look at the test to see like how we expect our code to be used. And especially like when, you know, a coworker will write a portion of the application, I could look to see at his tests and say, Oh, this is how I should be using it. Oh, and I can, if I'm using it this way, I could also use it this way. Um, yeah, it's just one, another aspect I enjoy. I've, I've d- discovered, <laughs> I guess. And you, are you working, so you're working with, um, uh, other people that are also writing tests then? Yeah, uh, and not at this time. Um, um, right now, the project I'm working on is very small. Um, but we have, yeah, I have a, a couple of the colleagues that uh, we've collaborated on a few projects, and I hope to again. Okay. Um, the now, one of the things that some people like to do is to maintain a certain level of code coverage. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you using code coverage metrics for your tests, or? We haven't yet. Uh, it's something I definitely want to look into. Um, that was actually kind of thinking that was another rule that I was uh, intimidated by was to try to get to that 100% coverage and keep it there. And kind of re- giving that, giving me permission to relax about that has, has, uh, has helped. But I definitely still run, especially with PyCharm, I, I run coverage tests, you know, pretty frequently and see like, what's getting missed and it especially love like how in the gutters, like you can see like what gets skipped and whatnot and, and to be like, Oh, I definitely need to write a test case for this. You know, that's super helpful. Oh yeah. And especially forgetting the percentages. If you're, if you were uh, writing a test, if you got the test test in some one panel or something and, and your, uh, your code in another panel and, um, and you think you're writing tests for it, but it's the, the coverage report says it's not covered that's a great use for that is, but I, but I thought I was testing this case right here. It's not hitting it clearly. So, yeah, absolutely. And that's not even a percentage thing. You don't need percents for that. It's just, this code isn't getting covered. So yeah, yeah, that is cool. Yeah. I didn't even think about that uh, as a good use model for that. Now. um, So do you have any, uh, before we get off uh, uh, onto other topics, do you have any other testing or test driven development tidbits you'd like to pass on? I, you know, I my thought is essentially to keep it simple and just let yourself discover it yourself. You know, like I felt like I needed somebody to give me permission to do that. And I want to give that permission to any listener who wants to explore it to just try it out. Give it give it a chance to breathe, you know, like. Try it out on a, you know, whether it's a personal project or something at work, like don't feel like you have to get it right the first time. Try a couple, you know, try a couple mornings or so to see how it goes and, and see what develops that, you know, like after, I'm sure that after 
you know, a couple of weeks of doing this here and there experimenting, you might find you'll, you'll get some benefit from it. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. Give yourself permission to try it and, and not hold yourself against uh, any sort of standard. And it, it can be a solo effort. Even if you're in a team with a lot of people that aren't doing it, you can do it for your own code or you can do it for the functionality that you're responsible for. Yeah. That's a great point. You're um, doing a user group in Richmond. Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, how long have you been doing that? You know, I forget. It's been three or four, or I guess it's been three, four or five years now. I don't remember when we started it. Yeah. And how, how often do you meet? Uh, we meet every month, uh, almost every month. I'm in the Portland area, Portland, Oregon. I've been kicking around the idea of trying to start up a Westside meetup for a couple of years now. It's a little intimidating to think about. Is this a, like, is it a lot of work to get one started and it is a lot especially for one person um and that was that was key for me too was um i had been thinking about it for uh probably i don't know year ish or so and the day i was going to bring it up like i was working for a company and we had a slack uh you know a slack uh channel and the day i was I was literally typing in the 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 sentence like hey i think we need a, a python users group here and as i was typing it one of my coworkers put that essentially the same message in Slack. And I was like, okay, he and I are going to do it, you know? And so I, you know, we, we talked about it for probably a couple of weeks and decided, all right, this is going to be our launch day. And we got a meetup page and we're like, let's just see who shows up, you know, if it's something that other people enjoy. And honestly, I don't even remember how many people showed up. I think we had 30 people. Um, We just had, we just asked this restaurant if we could like hang out there. And next, you know, we took, so many people came in, we took over the restaurant. I mean, people came down from uh, at least an hour away in Fredericksburg to come down um, for this inaugural one. And we're like, okay, well, <laughs> this is something we need to do. And um, and honestly, it's been in some ways like it, like it kind of builds its own momentum, which is really nice, uh, especially if you have um, organizers you can work with. Um, like for me, I had to kind of step away for a little while because I had some health issues and man, I tell you, we had that time we had three organizers total and it was just such a huge relief to know, like, you know, the other guys had it taken care of. And then like, as I've come back to full health, I've been able to pick things back up and work. Um, so that's key. I'd say if you want to start something like this, pick at least one other person whose team's into this. Uh, I find three is a really good uh, number because you, it's just there's not a lot of work that has to happen, but it's just work that, you know, we, you each need to keep each other accountable to, like, do something each month, so to speak. Okay. And if if one person needs to step away for a, uh, a little while, there's still two left to take over. That's a, yeah. that's a good idea. Because life happens. You know, work gets busy. Anything, you know, things just pop up all the time. Um, there's there's a lot of grace that you need to be an organizer. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, actually, that's kind of inspiring. I like I like the idea. It's been really, honestly, very rewarding. I mean, it's been really surprising because you know I'm just like an average dude, right? I mean, I, and it's just so weird to like have people like I was just in a conversation with somebody the other day, and he, he they were saying that they were you know were doing something with me, and they're like, you know, Chris May, like he's the Python guy, <laughs> and I'm like, I was when I heard that, I was shocked because he's like, you know, like. There's nothing special about me, it seems. I'm just a guy, <laughs> you know? And yet, being the co-founder slash organizer of a user group, like, has a certain cachet that you wouldn't expect. And um, I don't know. I don't wield it. I don't know how to wield it. But um, it, I just try to do it to, to serve the people around me. 
Well, the people that step up and do the just a little bit, ten percent extra to help out everybody else around them, um, it is it is a big deal because there's not very many people doing it. That's a good point. How many people show up usually, or is it vary? It varies a good bit. Um, usually, we're getting around like twenty to thirty on an average night. Um, it can go. I think our biggest one has been almost ninety, like eighty to ninety, for some of the data science talks. Um, so they, they tend to come out of the woodwork for those. <laughs> okay. So cool. Um, tell me w- what's going on with the book. Yeah. Um, thanks for asking. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm writing this book. Um, it's, it's kind of a passion project because, you know, especially over the last two, three years, like so I've been learning Python for over 10 years or about 10 years. And especially the last two or three years, I've really hit upon a bunch of like what I consider like best practices. I don't know if it's you know, necessarily everybody would consider them best practices, but it, a lot of things that made my life easier when I'm creating new projects or especially like deploying websites to servers or sharing code with people. And the more I shared with people, especially here at work about these things, like the, it was really helping them. And I'm like, okay, I need to collect these and put it out there. So I decided to write this book and I just want to kind of help people. We'll put a link in the show notes for uh, how people can find out more about this. Yeah, I've got a, a page that kind of uh, where you can sign up to get updates. I'll be sending out, you know, updates on what I'm writing and love to hear feedback on what people want to hear. Um, I'll also send out some free content as I'm developing it to uh, to those people. Um, uh, I haven't figured out what I'm going to share yet, but I wanted to just like put things out there. Like I figured there are some people who are just never going to buy this book, but they should benefit from some of the content. And so I want to put that out there for free. Um, then I want to have like this core book that's going to have like all the best practices and I want to put out some like kind of premium content that'll be kind of like some videos of walking through, um, like, you know, like setting up a project or converting a project to use like setup.py and some test driven stuff. Um, maybe some stuff particular to Django that I've learned recently too. So like, you know, if you're not interested in that, you don't have to purchase that, but you have this core book that'll help you you know, through your years of Python development. Okay. I, I think it's awesome you're doing it, and I, I will be reading along with everybody else, and uh, and uh, it'll be fun. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, and if people want to get a hold of you again, you're on Twitter. And uh, what's your blog? My blog is at storiesinmypocket.com. Yeah, and my Twitter handle is underscore Chris May, if you want to follow me there. Well, awesome. We will uh, talk to you later. Sounds great. Thanks so much. And thanks for your support. I've really appreciated all you've done uh, to promote uh, and to retweet my tweets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you bet. Thank you, Chris, for coming on the show. And thanks to PyCharm for sponsoring this episode. Again, this is a short extension to the four-month pro trial. It ends June 10. Go to testandcode.com slash PyCharm to get the pro trial license And at the very least, try out the cool coverage integration or one of the other pro goodies. Thank you, Patreon supporters, for your continued support. And thank you, the listener, for listening to the show and spreading the word. That's all for now. Now go out and test something. And maybe even try some TDD. TDD.